Warning. Please note that this podcast contains strong language and touches on many topics that may not be considered appropriate for a work environment. If you choose to listen to this podcast where you can be overheard, we are not responsible for the consequences of your decision. You've been warned. convention season is still upon us and we're getting ready to deal with all the things that feminism has to deal with in regards to getting your fan on my name is bill and i'm noelle and this is we all have an x chromosome um just a quick first order uh we're gonna just go through and get our business put out of the way uh, this week we have a guest, but we'll be introducing her in just a moment. Um, the first thing I want to go through and announce is that based on the information given from our listenership, uh, and it's official that the that IPAs are the pumpkin spice lattes of the basic bro on a landslide. Uh, so everybody can live with that so many IPAs. <laughs> so many. Um, yeah, the on the Facebook poll, there was like, it was like 19 to 2 in favor, so everybody has to live with that. Alright, but now the, the real business. Um, <clears throat> first things first, we have a website. Our website is where you find everything about our podcast. It's got all the links to our social media, all the links to our Patreon, our donations, and also we write stuff there too. In fact, after the end of the last episode, I wound up writing an extended blog post in regards to the information that I talked about with racism and the Wheel of Time uh, for the future show with that. So make sure you check us out on our website. That website is www.xchromosomepodcast.com. Again, that is www.xchromosomepodcast.com. We want to thank our sponsor for this month, Copper Frog Games. Uh, They did go through and remove their Kickstarter for this month because they realized that there were opportunities that they missed in regards to getting that squared away. They will be relaunching that for their Kickstarter start in, in late September, early October, so... Still check them out. They're located at www.copperfroggames.com. Uh, you can look at all their other gaming selections there. Um, also, it, we want to hear from you. So make sure you go through and send us an email for feedback, anything like that. Uh, your best bet is to contact us by email. That email address is writeus at xchromosomepodcast.com. That's write us at xchromosomepodcast.com. All right. Did I miss anything, Noel? I don't think so. Oh, one more thing, just now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, if you, On your podcasting platforms, please 
do what you can to rate, review, like, subscribe to our podcast. That helps us with the algorithms. It'll help us get other additional sponsors in the future, which will hopefully help us go through and pay for things that need paying for for the upkeep of this podcast. Yeah, um, I was trying to read some cool shit today, and it went, oh, hey, paywall. It was yeah. it was actually trying to read for the podcast, and I'm like, I don't have the money to subscribe to the New York Times. Yeah, because we try to go through and get everything that we can for trying to get information out to you, but we need to be able to access that information freely. So the more we're prepared, the better the podcast is, the more information you get. But unfortunately, things are locked behind paywalls. So that's why we love our Patreon subscribers. Thank you for going through and donating to us every month. Again, if you go to xchromosomepodcast.com, there's ways to go through and donate or subscribe to Patreon there. So the next, so let's get into the meat of this uh, of this podcast. Um, we've been saying recently that due to fair season, we've had we weren't going to be going through and doing as many guests, but we're getting ready to go into DragonCon. And this guest that we're bringing in was actually a suggestion of Brian's um, that we went through. And, and she outreached to us after listening to the podcast. Um, and we invited her on because of the issues that are going through. Uh, this is something that me and Noel are geeks. And many of the people that listen to this podcast are also geeks. So convention season is... Convention season and Ren Fair season, people get to go through and dress up with what they like to show off their fandoms, things of that nature. So what we have today, what we have is, um, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> no, I'm not dying anymore. I just had something go down the wrong pipe. You're <laughs> um, dying. Stop dying. Uh so what we have today, who we have today is the founder of the Cosplayer Survivor Network. Um, we're going to talk about cosplay, conventions, convention safety, things of that nature. So I'd like to go through a uh, Cosplayer Survivor Support Network. Um, I'd like to go through and introduce the founder of the organization, Trixie. Hi, Trixie. Hello. Thank you for having me on. It's our pleasure, really. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about your organization? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we founded in 2016, shortly after the, uh, can I say, election results. Uh, and it was sort of, it sort of came in my mind because I felt like I was in a community where change was not going to happen and change had not been happening. And I felt like I could influence a little bit of some corner of it. So um, I began as a way to find other people who had been harassed or stalked or abused or sexually assaulted. And um, it sort of grew from there. Um, now we are also incorporating uh, rating conventions. Harassment policy is really important to us. Um, and we have a couple other endeavors that we want to embark on shortly, uh, like becoming a real 501c3. So uh, yeah, so we're trying to get some traction in the call world and see if we can find other people like us who want to help this space become better for everybody. All right. There was a little bit of static on that. Um, you, you, after the convention report cards, you said that there were other things that you wanted to do. Um, can you please repeat that part? 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we want to become a 501c3 shortly. Um, and we also want to get some proper certifications some proper training for ourselves so that we can say, hey, you know, we've done victim assistance training, etc. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to reach some more fans and uh, nerds in the corners of um, all our various fandoms and improve things for the entire community. That's pretty awesome. Um, that's a pretty worthy cause. Uh, there's a lot of bullshit. Oh, yeah. On the convention circuit, it's really frustrating. Um, it kind of makes me glad I've always got my husband with me at Origins because there's two of us. We should be able to ha handle whatever comes at us. It also makes me glad I don't have my name associated with my cosplay at all because mm. it makes them harder to find me mm. in yeah. the uh, real world and I don't have to deal with endless dick pics. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be uh, something, something tricky, yeah. Um, that sort of sounds like, you know, what I fear about stalking in the fandom versus real world. Like, I, I don't want people to know what my job is. I don't want people to know where I live. Maybe it's like general geographic region, but, you know, hiding with a, uh, a cosplay name is a great way to do it. So I'm um, going through and I've been looking through the website for your network. Um, you're, one of the things that we were talking about is the um, the convention report cards and resources. Um, is it just something that you pull up from just based off the website, or do you go into more depth about trying to pull up the information for the various conventions and things of that nature? Yeah. So because we are a third party, we are using public information on the convention's website. And we want to make certain that we do that specifically because we want to see whether the information is available to the public so that they can find resources in enough time to help themselves. So, for example, if they're looking for a, an, an email to report what's happened to them, they can find it fairly easily because it's publicly available. If they do have a policy that is not publicly available, for instance, if they have specific people who have been trained in harassment response, um, but they are not listing that publicly, we can't grade them on it. So we are only grading them on things that we can find uh, publicly. Okay, that makes sense. Um, what are your metrics? Just oh, yeah. so that we've got that out there, because as a librarian, um, this sort of shit is super important. Because um, yeah. if you're, you know, you don't get good results if you don't have solid uh, study metrics to measure yeah, against. Absolutely. So, and, and currently we have probably about 200 conventions listed up there, but we want to add more. There's obviously just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different types of conventions and special interest events all over the country. We are mostly from the anime and gaming convention world, so that's that's where we are right now. But what we are looking for, for a bottom line, this is, this is just your bare minimum for a good policy, are six things. Number one, does the policy exist on their public website? or even just at all, because sometimes that's the case. Um, number two, is it easy to find on said website? And that's like, you know, two or three clicks maximum. Number three, is harassment defined to satisfaction and not just said harassment will not be tolerated? Number four, are the consequences of harassment listed and are they consistent? Um, are they not based on 
people's individual assessments of an event. Number five, does it list what to do if staff or security or the guests are the problem? Um, the people that you might be reporting to are actually the ones who are perpetrating and uh, harassing or stalking, et cetera. Um, and then number six, is there a contact listed for remote reporting? So for example, if you find yourself immobilized uh, and you can't go find staff or you're outside and staff is nowhere to be found in that particular area, um, can you still contact somebody immediately when it happens that way? So those are our six qualities for a bare minimum uh, grade policy. And of course, conventions can do much, much more with that. And we have yet to discover all the ways that you know we need to cover people's safety at conventions. Uh, we're always open to hearing if you have different experience than we do. Um, if you go to different conventions and they have different things that you might need to worry about, we are always open to hearing what those are so that we can improve our guidelines. Okay. That's... That's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm impressed with the librarian. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of my many, many skill sets. Um, but it, it's always good to have, you know, if it's not listed, because I've been working two jobs and, you know, sleeping when I'm not working, I'm not as prepared as Bill is. If you're not posting how you rate things um, on your website, that's also a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, that way. Um, you're open and transparent and conventions can look at that and go, oh, okay, I understand why we suck. How can we fix it? Yeah. And some conventions have actually gone to that page and they've seen how they stack up against maybe other conventions in that area or similar conventions. And they've said, oh, we really need to, you know, update this. Can you like reevaluate this after we take a look at it with our team? And we're like, sure, absolutely. We will always be open to, um, you know, checking out your policy. We, we don't have like a, it's kind of a rolling update. So anytime somebody lets us know that something's changed, go ahead and take a look or basically just, you know, halfway point through the year, maybe take another look and see if anything's changed for some conventions that haven't contacted us. So it, it has put some pressure on. And this year, especially I feel, has been a lot of stories coming forward. A lot of people just what's happened to them. It's more important than ever that we let conventions know what's been happening at those conventions. Yeah, we actually had a local convention here in Columbus, Ohio, collapse and blow up because the people who were running it refused to change and refused to do something about the gross boy, the gross older men who oh, yeah. were being creepers. Mm -hmm. um, it was very sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah as, as people know, in regards to the convention circuit, um, I live in um, I live in Massachusetts, so I got to basically witness firsthand uh, the uh, Aresia uh, blow up that happened with their whole entire staff after the allegations were put through about um, their sleaziness and their trying to cover up uh, allegations of abuse. Uh, you mentioned that on your website for that, um, mm -hmm. but things like that. As more stories are coming out, uh, we're hearing more about issues with conventions, not only with cosplay, but just people that are on staff that are getting uh, abused and taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. It can happen to anybody at a convention. And that's something that I want to emphasize here, too. Um, we are called the Cosplayer Survivor Support Network. 
that's basically just because my experiences are of a cosplayer and I understand certain issues that are endemic to cosplaying, but not necessarily attending if you're a general non-cosplaying attendee. But we are trying to get po policies revised for everybody, every single attendee, um, because it really is not just cosplay. And some of the worst harassment I've experienced has been when I wasn't in cosplay, but I am still a cosplayer, so I know what it's like to be on both sides of that. And I felt differently each time. Now, speaking of experience, um, you don't have to go into the nitty-gritty details about your experiences, but what are your experiences on the as a cosplayer and the and as like someone that might be general staff? So they understand what point of view from your experience that you're coming from. Yes, absolutely. So um, I started cosplaying more seriously in about 2014, um, and I usually choose to cosplay characters that have a little bit more, um, not risque necessarily, but, you know, like the beautiful booby ladies, you know, there's there's kind of a, an archetype, and I, I tend to dress that way um, in my cosplays. So that sort of naturally brought me to a place of people staring and catcalling and then kind of harassing gently and then a little bit more forcefully harassing. Um, I have also been stalked by former friends in the cosplay community. I've experienced sexual assault as well um, as a result of uh, being at a convention with somebody who I thought was a friend. Um, so, yeah, you know, I've had various experiences over my, what is this now, five years? <laughs> five years of um, being in this scene. I also host formal balls at a lot of conventions, particularly here in the Midwest, um, but I've also done other events like on the West Coast, uh, FanimeCon, and that sort of shows me a lot of the time what the staff side of things is like and whether or not I, as a low volunteer staff kind of member, am getting any sort of information on whether we're being trained for harassment response. So um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, uh, and then obviously before I did any of that, I was just a general attendee, so I got to see all of the weeby goodness. Um, just as somebody walking around. Now, you mentioned to us that um, your network is looking to also offer training and support to conventions, or is that something that you're looking for in the future for that? Oh, great question. Yeah, this actually uh, sort of combines with the other organizations that I volunteer for. So we personally at CSSN are not planning on training others. We would like to receive our own training and then consider from there. But we actually have an organization called Uplift, upliftogether.org, and they are the ones who are going out to conventions and actually giving the training, um, helping them actually tailor the policies to their specific area and their community's needs. Um, they're, they're the ones doing all of that actual coordination, and they have a sliding scale. So if you're a smaller con with you know a way smaller budget, they can still assist you. Um, so basically all you have to do is get in touch with them. And we provide a lot of avenues through which to do that on our website. Um, and then you can also go to conresources.org. It's Uplift's website basically just for people who run conventions or have influence in that upper staff level who want to see what staff's about and what to you know, improve from the inside and actually have that training. Okay. Um, we're going to make sure we post all of these on the 
web page and the uh, show and in the show notes so people can find you if they need you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. You've got these interlocking organizations that you volunteer with. Yeah. You're really going at this problem from every angle you can possibly bring yourself to bear, which <laughs> is a ton yeah. of energy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, some days are better than others. <laughs> I will say it's, it's, you know, I feel like once you're in it, once you've experienced, you know, something as serious as sexual assault, you know it in a way that people who have not experienced it can't possibly know it. And so the fact that I can speak means that I feel like I need to speak for others who feel like they can't speak about what's happened to them. And, you know, that drives me through even the most difficult of days, even the most difficult of weeks where it seems like every day a new creep is being outed in our community. And I swear, that was like, I don't know, maybe February, March, April, May, even. It, it was going on for quite a long time. So. Yeah, yeah, it's like almost every every month, a uh, new case of broken stairs, as people call them, are getting outed in the con- various convention communities. Um, and the thing that I, I see that a lot of these uh, do happen, I'm not discounting all other types of setups. But one of the things that you mentioned is um, a lot that it's happened with friends that uh, have been the uh, perpetrators. Um, that's where a lot of, it seems that just reading through, because when I, whenever these stories pop up, I go through and read through the stories to see what goes on. But a lot of it always seems like it's either a friend or someone that is so good with the higher level staff that, oh, you don't understand them. Oh, they're just being awkward. And it's getting discounted when in reality, they're not taking the allegations seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand, too, if they've never been harassed or stalked, etc., that it is much more likely, uh, you're much more likely to be sexually assaulted by a friend or an acquaintance than by some rando at a con, for instance. So, you know, with that thrown into the equation. But then also, um, speaking about creepy behavior, and that's just the way they are. Something else that we've been picking up on and we want to uh, pursue a little bit further is the fact that there's no education in the convention world right now for people who may not know that they're acting creepy or may not understand that it's being perceived that way and continue to do that behavior. And then the more that they get called out, the angrier they become, the more belligerent and the wider the gap becomes between people who are being harassed and people who are doing the harassment who started out as ignorant, but are now in a more malicious vein of, you know, of existing, coexisting. So, uh, you know, it, it starts with, you got to try to assume ignorance before malice because we have a lot of people in our community who might be neurodivergent or self-described like socially awkward or something, and they might not know how to interact at first. Um, we, if I may, as a neurodivergent, I know you're not supposed to put your hands on people without permission. Neurodivergence is not an excuse to behave inappropriately we've all been through kindergarten we all know keep your hands to yourself um i don't want because there is um i have friends in the cosplay community and there is this one chick whose name i don't remember but she's 
likes to use her ADHD as an excuse Ooh. and her lack of impulse control as an excuse to just grab people and be Ooh. pervy and horrible to other people. And she's like, but I have poor impulse control. No, bitch, you're groping people. You are deliberately <laughs> touching them in a way that is, you know, makes other people uncomfortable. Don't fucking say that shit. You make the rest of us people with ADHD look like shit. Yeah. And, and that's hard too. Honestly, I think there's another aspect of that too that doesn't get mentioned often enough. And that's that, you know, cons are weird liminal spaces where you're doing stuff that you wouldn't normally do in everyday life. At least most of us wouldn't, you know, um, dress up and wander around in the hallways where people usually have, you know, their business trade shows, etc. Um, so even if you are, you know, not to touch people, Maybe you see somebody who's dressed up as your favorite character and suddenly you don't know how to talk because in, in your mind, you know, they are that character. You're intimidated in a different way that you're not prepared for, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there are so many weird things about conventions when you step back and think about it. I mean, if I tried to explain this to my coworkers at my day job, they would be like, what is this? Why do you do this? So. Oh, I get it. I'm co I come from the, the Renfair world and we've had our own... We're having our own uh, come to Jesus moment and our own hour of reckoning. And it would be nice to have a partner group to you that uh, helps with the with the Rennie side of things with yeah. girls who are groomed by older men to be okay with gross shit happening to them. Oh, that fucking you know? sucks. We have our own broken stairs. Um, the Minnesota yeah. Ren Fair has had problems um, somewhere else. Kansas City. Have, Kansas City. It's kind of how this podcast got started. Is um, it was one of the first things we talked about was um, the abuse of people who are wearing a costume um, or who are in a situation where um, it's it's intense and it's several weeks. So you've kind of got this intensity, almost trauma bonding going on. You feel really close to these people at the end. Um, over the years, some of these people have actually become like family to me. Um, but you've got that. I'm sure cons are the same way. You're spending so much time around each other and it's compressed and there's a lot going on and you just get tied together. But that's how predators hide. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. They see that atmosphere as something they can use to hunt and abuse. And then um, you end up in a situation where people don't know what's going on until much later and that makes it harder to oh, yeah. get believed to you know just handle the problem mm -hmm. and then you do have the old guard with the ah, it's fine yeah it's not it's never fine um it doesn't matter where you're working or what you're doing or what liminal costume space you're in it is never okay and I get being weird and awkward. I'm occasionally intimidated by Her Majesty at my home show because mm -hmm. she's just a formidable woman. And then you put her in a hoop skirt and a corset and she puts on Elizabeth the First. And <laughs> I kind of, I mean, she she acknowledges me and I get all, Bleh. oh my God, the queen noticed me. And I get weird um, every time. Um, she probably listens to this podcast and she's going to think this is ridiculous and adorable. Um, she's going to be like, nerd! <laughs> she is, she's going to call me a nerd. Um, and I found out that there are awkward moments in my own costuming. I've gotten a sense of style over the years and I have a presence and a 
and a persona about me when I'm doing a photo shoot or I'm in costume or I'm at in garb that takes people aback that I'm intimidating. <laughs> and it's like, I'm a giant dork with huge self-confidence and body issues, body image issues. What are you talking about? Um, so I get the, that people awkward, act differently in liminal spaces, but that's not the same as oh, definitely being yeah. deliberately inappropriate. And I really, really don't want there to be in our discourse about safety any sort of wiggle room. Oh, yeah. Now, this brings up a good segue into a conversation that briefly started when you contacted us when you was listening to one of our earlier podcast episodes about the term uh, cosplay does not equal consent. Yeah, all right. Now, this is just a part, uh, this is the way that I see that. You have, um, you mentioned a, a disagreement about the term being used. The way that, as a person that, all right, I'm awkward as fuck, all right? <laughs> if it wasn't for, I come off as awkward, even on this podcast, I come off as awkward. I think the only time that I might not even remotely come off as awkward is when I'm completely playing another character on my other podcast, which is completely a different story in its entirety. But one of the things is, as someone that does have issues in regards to uh, impulse control and issues like that, the wor- the wording of cosplay does not equal consent is something that is very easy to go through and remember because I generally don't have to deal as a person with what you might have to deal with as a woman or what Noelle might have to deal with as a woman at Runfair. I am what we call the default easy mode. I am the cisgender white guy that could just go to a convention and blend in the, the crowd of other cisgender white guys. Um, for me, the, just the term cosplay does not equal consent is a, as a convention goer that might not be looking at harassment policies when they buy a ticket or something like that or go on a whim that, okay, I need to make sure that this I'm being a good citizen. Don't harass people. Don't stalk people. Don't ask for permission before getting photos for anybody that might be on the floor. Try not. It's like an active reminder not to be creepy in that regard. Um, you have a, you have a take on this that you, we started talking to, but I didn't want to go through and waste time and email to discuss it. I wanted to bring it organically. So what's your thoughts with the uh, cosplay does not equal consent? Okay, yeah, great. Thank you so much for sharing your side as well, because that's something that we need to take it account into account as well. Because obviously, like you said, you're coming from a very different perspective than than I am, um, and that that the rest of my uh, crew is. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'd like to start this off with saying cosplay is not consent has done a lot. It's done a lot for our community thus far in raising awareness that it does happen and that it does. <laughs> specifically to cosplayers, which is something that we all need to remember, right? However, 
we are starting to cross over into a space where it is no longer being used to raise awareness. It is being used instead of having policies. It is being used as a way to dismiss people who have been touched without consent because, well, we told those people not to do that. So cons are not putting themselves in a place of responsibility for that for whatever reason. Now, legally is completely different from what I'm talking about here. It's, it's you know, just an integrity move to be responsible for your guests if they are being harassed and, you know, take a, take a stand against harassment as well as stalking, abuse, and sexual assault, which do occur frequently at conventions and in communities where conventions occur. So with all of that being said, thank you, Cosplay is Not Consent. Now, <laughs> um, I'd like to give some reasons as to why we don't particularly support the phrase. We have six tenets that we would like to share with you today. Number one, the reason why we don't like it being used is that it implies that cosplayers are the only ones whose boundaries are violated. And I'm not just talking, well, yeah, of course, there's costumes people versus the attendees not wearing cosplay. I'm talking also guests. I'm talking also volunteers, staff members, etc. Anybody at a convention can be violated in that way. And if you're advertising cosplay is not consent, it's going to be in your mind. Cosplay is not consent. Maybe that doesn't apply to when you're in a room party and some chick is drunk and you decide, you know, hmm, be a good time to get my hands on some of those. Um, you know, it, it doesn't translate well to other situations. And the second thing I want to say about that is that it does strongly imply one situation. And it does not mean that it does only apply, but it implies one situation. And that is a female cosplayer and a male photographer or offender. That is far from the case. I mean, as everybody knows in our community, it's it's not just cis women who are getting harassed and stopped, et cetera. Um, you know, cis men get harassed. And oftentimes they're not taken as seriously because they're expected to man up in our society and just brush it off as a joke, even if it was something that really you know felt hurtful to them. So when we have a phrase that um, is so strongly tied to a cosplayer with a photographer on the other side and that being the issue, we're sort of missing the entire wealth of issues that are coming from um, conventions not having policies. And I'm going to say right now, too, before we started doing this work, there were probably two conventions, if that that met all the criteria organically, and um, we still have a long way to go, but that means that all the other conventions that we looked at would not be able to take care of you in the worst case scenario if you were unable to move, if you were sexually assaulted by a friend and you didn't want anybody to know, etc. So we're looking here for something that will take care of all of that, and a phrase is not necessarily serving that population. Now, it also does not define consent or the context of consent. Cosplay is not consent to what? To touch, to photograph, to post online without credit, to heckle, to stalk. And what is consent? For that matter, what is harassment and how can we define it? So if the, if the convention uses cosplay is not consent as their policy without saying, hey, when you violate this aspect of the consent, you are now becoming a harasser, that's sort of taking out some of the logical links and people are not going to think about what it means. So they're just gonna say, okay, well, I'm not taking 
pictures of somebody inappropriately. It doesn't apply to me. Consent is also one of those words that I think sort of strikes fear in the hearts of men. Um, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, good. Yes, good. But also, yes, uh, it, it is a little bit problematic in that people think that it's only related to sexual things now. Um, a lot of people will automatically think of consent equals sex, and that is, ooh, we can't talk about that. That's taboo. Or, you know, oh, it's just cosplay is not consent. That's its own whole thing. That's its own separate issue from everything that goes on at conventions. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. I mean, checking in with people, that's consent. If Even if it's just, are you sure you want to go to this panel with me, you know, instead of, you know, dragging somebody around um, and, you know, you might not have asked them. So there are so many circumstances in which um, consent needs to be defined, especially when it's not that one scenario that we think of. Um, this phrase also does not describe the consequences of violating that consent. And some conventions put it up underneath their little cosplays that consent there, well, you'll be kicked out if you violate this. Um, other conventions, just say, well, go to staff, and if staff feel like taking away the person's badge, then fuck it, staff is king, so that, that's, that's what's going to happen, and that doesn't necessarily happen um, if it's left up to any person's judgment. Um, so if there are not consequences that are strictly defined, um, as well as sort of gradated, because there's a big difference between sexually assaulting one, like literally grabbing their ass, and... Uh, you know, taking a quick shot as you're walking past somebody when you didn't ask them um, to take their picture, you know, like just kind of like, oops, you know, taking that. That is a much less, I think, uh, impactful offense than a sexual assault and should be treated as such. I mean, we can have a warning system where, you know, if you do that photography where you're just walking by and you take that picture quickly, that's a warning. And if you do it again, then yeah, then you're going to get your badge revoked. Whereas if, um, you know, a sexual assault situation happens and, you know, people can respond quickly enough, yeah, you get booted immediately and you're not forever. Um, so, you know, we need different uh, consequences to be listed along with that because quite often people kind of joke about the phrase now, cosplay is not consent, ha, 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 because people are not facing consequences about breaking that consent. Um, or if they are, it's only, they think that it's only the bad actors, it's only the people in the news who are, you know, the ones who are sexually assaulting people and they're getting caught, right? Because the bad guys are always caught, but that's not usually the case. I can't tell you how many times I've had something inappropriate said to me that it took me a little while to think, you know, that really wasn't okay, but there was nothing that I could do at the time. But, you know, that person who said it is gonna get away with it and that's just gonna continue and continue if we don't, put down some lines as to where you are going to start getting consequences. So uh, the second to last, real quick, um, I did touch on this briefly, but it also does not educate anybody about how to avoid being the harasser or what to do instead to encourage a positive interaction. So like I said, you know, you're socially awkward, whatever you want to use to, you know, I don't know how to interact with people. Right. But if you're going to wag your finger at somebody and say, don't do that, like if you do that to a toddler, don't suck on that thing that is not a, a mouth thing. Uh, it, it's only going to encourage the toddler to continue that behavior to get attention, right? So it's best to use some educational signage that doesn't involve that negative. Cosplay is not consent. Don't do it. Um, don't be inappropriate. 
um, some some ways that you can get around that are saying instead of uh, taking a, a picture that somebody didn't tell you that you could take, why don't you approach this cosplayer and say, you know, hey, I really like your cosplay. Do you mind if I take a picture? Or if you see a cosplayer eating, instead of taking their picture or asking to take their picture then, please wait until, you know, they are done whatever they're doing or ask them if you can take their photo later. Something like that um, is, is a great way to sort of inform people of how to not go down that path of, well, yeah, now I'm going to use socially awkward as my excuse forever as to why I harass women at conventions, et cetera, um, or whatever the case may be. So very lastly, cosplay is not consent is not a harassment policy. We went through our guidelines that we have on our harassment report card, and it really just doesn't explain what's going to happen in a situation where you are, where you have your consent disrespected, revoked, or however. Um, it, it doesn't tell you where to go to report it. It doesn't tell you where to look for help. It doesn't tell you that you have in fact been harassed because sometimes you can sort of be like, was that harassment? I didn't like it at all, but was it that bad? And yeah, for the most part, it, it probably was that bad. But to have signage and education and resources that reinforce that is going to make the experience better for both the victim and the would-be offender. Um, now, we're never going to stop offenses from happening at conventions, but I feel like if we start to have a culture where having harassment around is not tolerated, but has a lot of explanation as to why, a rich culture as to why we don't tolerate that sort of behavior, how we can avoid behaving that way and such. That's how we make real change long term. Not a catchphrase that is not doing those things that I have mentioned for the last however long I've been talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is my spiel on cosplays not consent and uh, have at it. <laughs> okay, here's from my angle. Mm -hmm. It is a great summary of, remember, just because somebody is wearing clothing they don't normally wear, that doesn't mean that the rules stop applying. The same rules that apply outside the con apply inside the con. You don't touch people without their permission. You don't, you know, it's creepy to take their picture without permission. If, you know, it's the, it, it's a, things in this liminal space are different. People are wearing different clothes. Those different clothes don't change the rules. Right. for anyone whether yeah. they're in costume or not and that's that sort of underlying yes this is a weird spot and costuming is not consent is from my ren fair perspective just because i got my tits out in a corset and blouse doesn't mean you get to catcall me because you're drunk if it right. would get you punched off site it's gonna get you some shit on site because now i'm with my entire family and if you do it in my booth, my boss is over six foot tall and vaguely Middle Eastern looking. And he is gonna, he's going to just stare at you until you wither away into nothing. Um, and then we're going to report you to security for being gross. So it's the, we need to make the connection, you know, between bridging via policy that this shorthand for this is a liminal space, the rules of normal society still apply. It's, if I may uh, interject here for that, and, and yes, we do need a way for it to be a quick recall. Something that I'm seeing that I really like, instead of having that phrase plastered everywhere, is having parts of the policy be available, or 
even just a sign that says, if you feel you're being harassed, here is the phone line for you to call and get help immediately if you can't find a staff member or if you don't feel comfortable speaking to staff. I mean, it can be shorter than what I literally just said. All it has to be is a sign, but having that signage up, instead of having cosplay's not consent, cosplay's not consent, cosplay's not consent, it will give you just a little bit more and also it's the victim. And, and I do come from mostly a survivor victim target side, um, rather than you know somebody who would maybe be at risk for offending. Um, it, it helps me feel more like the convention is going to take me seriously if they have that posted and they say, you know, if this happens, you know, this is what you do. And then people know automatically, okay, well, if I harass somebody, there's that phone number, they're going to call it, I'm going to get in trouble. Maybe I should not have to do that, you know. Um, you know, it, it is a great point that it's it's short and sweet. It's to the point. But it is also not to the point because the point is about six points away from what I was explaining um, in terms of what it what it should represent versus what it does represent, which is, again, being misused as a way to sort of write off talking about the more serious offenses in our community. And I'm talking about a higher level, like, sure, whatever, people on the Internet, I don't give a fuck. Um, I'm seeing it being used in higher level policy as a way to avoid getting into the specifics of what you should do if you're harassed. Um, you know, it's just thrown out there and then it's not followed up with. And if I get harassed at that convention, I feel like I nobody gives a shit about me. You know, they just want people's money. So, yeah, of course, they're going to say cosplay is not consent because that sort of covers their asses. It doesn't, though, because it doesn't actually address anything. It's not a policy. And you're correct in that. Um, policies need to be clearly written. Policies need to be accessible. Policies need to be on the website. Yeah, I don't think the debate is. Um, we, I think we're all in agreement that yes, cosplay is not consent, does not replace policy, and I'm all for addition, additional signage of if you feel threatened, if you feel uh, if there's a, a serious issue and you need help right away, this is how you contact staff. However. Some people really just need something short and sweet, constantly bombarded into their heads that might not have to, are not thinking it from, from your side. They're, yeah. yes, they never think about it at all. One of the things that um, it was brought up with the previous podcast is not just with, let's go, let's go into the fact of the male cosplayers or people like that. Uh, Noel brings up the cases of, drunk women that Gross. grab men's kilts. Yeah, they're they're kilt checking men without permission. I'm sorry, that's still sexual assault. That's a legally defined act and you need to get you need to have some legal consequences to mm -hmm. that and it needs to be called out. That's, you know, that's a legally defined wrong action. We the only thing the policy needs to state that if you violate state uh, uh, in my case, Ohio Revised Code, blah, da, 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 da. what is sexual assault? Mm. I will look it up. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's wow. actually on the, their website because they have a setup for state laws for mm -hmm. the uh, for various things such as stalking, harassment, things of like that. Which, while and while it's not a legal advice site, as you go through and make sure to let people know right at the top of the bat, 
Um, I want to say it for someone that's looking for just a very quick reference to start at. That is a what from uh, from a layman. Uh, that's a very good breakdown of the setup with that. Um, but yeah, one of the things is is that um, everything that you said that you said about the thing, I feel are valid concerns. I'm thinking about it more as the fact of it's the other it's the other angle. You're the this you're thinking about it as in terms of a cosplayer, survivor, of other people needing help with this policies that are bad policies. Um the fact that people joke that cosplay about cosplay is not consent in a way is harassment and that alone should also be if you're not taking this serious, you need to get the fuck out. Um, it's like with at work, if you joke about sexual harassment, that's sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the same thing about joking about cosplaying not being in sense is harassment. You're if you're if you're gonna take a make a joke about something like that, it it cheapens and hurts the whole entire thing. So if you're gonna use that terminology, you need to not only I I agree make sure that you have a more depth policy, but that you protect the idea, the ideology. Period. With that, um, so everything that you said, I completely understand and agree with. But as a person that generally doesn't deal have to deal with because of unfortunately easy mode, things that are like that actually are helpful to make you think about how you are behaving. It's it, sometimes people need like a, a mnemonic device like that, that triggers in their head just so they can adjust to a different environment. We're not all go. We're not all going through and constantly in a uh, convention environment. Uh, Boston just had Boston comic-con, which is now the Boston fan expo this last weekend. And I had I was going through listening to various stories and things like that from the convention floor through my friends I got to go. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where while it's I agree it should be a replacement for policy, but using the the I don't have any issue with the terminology itself because it's easy to remember and makes you makes a lot of people that don't norm, wouldn't normally think about this, actually think about it. In, and uh, what, go and ahead. I have no problem with the fact that cosplay is not consent exists because it has, as you said, raised awareness for the basic level of awareness, etc. What I'm trying to say uh, is not that, you know, it should be abolished in and of itself. It's that it needs to be accompanied by something else. It's that it needs to be uh, in an environment that clearly does support survivors, even though the majority of people of convention that go to conventions are not going to be people who've been harassed at that convention. If you have an environment that prioritizes the sort of looking away and by that just the kind of passive notation of only having cosplayers not consent, um, it's it's not going to make anybody feel actually safer. Um, at least in my experiences, Again, from an anime convention perspective, I do think that it has served a, a very good purpose in starting this off. And 
honestly, it was here before uh, Tarana Burke's Me Too hashtag. So it, it had gained some traction a long time before that started. But we also need to take the next step. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and we get that. We're we're all coming at this from the same angle. Um, but I I know that, you know, I took a class in how to write policy for a library and I was very pleased in my time working in a library or and in my current profession where I can just lean back and on policy and be like, I'm sorry I can't do that. It's against the rules. And just to internalize that sort of behavior across society as a whole. You know, if we're if we work the the problems inside the convention circuit and inside the cosplay community are really just problems that happen everywhere. Oh yeah. Uh, so we need to it, it. We can't just you know fixing writing a policy in for a convention does not mean that it's going to get followed. Does not oh. mean that shit's going to get done because be audited as well, which is another thing that like we can't audit it unless somebody actually has a crisis which we don't want so it's like how do we you know the effectiveness of it yeah it's like you don't want everything to you don't want anything to happen but how you the only way that you can really go through and test it is if something happens um yes there's ways that you go through and test things but if for some reason that you know that it is actually just a test it might not be dealt with with the same manner that some, a real life situation might go through. Right, right. And two, you know, of course, these are definitely societal problems and we cannot fix the society we're in by God. But from what I've experienced in my pocket of the nerd community and my pocket of the cosplay community in particular, you know, start to change attitudes that are around you. You start ripples and those ripples get ripples and everything just sort of moves outward. You know, of course, we're not going to stop harassment. We're not going to change the world by doing this little thing. But we are hoping that providing resources will allow people to feel just a little bit more like they can reach out and disclose that something's happened to them. Like they can be, you know, a part of the society, even if they have experienced harassment or assault, you know, just welcoming a little bit more of a, a survivor victim um, personhood in our nerd community. Just because, you know, we have been talking about how many broken stairs there are, how many people are being, you know, made out. They're, they're learning that these people are creeps now. There are so many creeps. So that means that there are probably just as many, if not way more victims of their creepy, creepitude, creepiness, Creepery. Um, uh, illegal behavior. Yes, that's accurate. <laughs> let's, let's use real words here. Yeah. Um, these people are committing real world illegal acts and they are using a liminal space where there is probably a little more drinking than most people normally do. <laughs> uh, probably a little more skin showing than a lot of people will do. You know, it's that there's a sense of... of lawlessness because you've stepped out of the world the general world and you've stepped into a fandom so it doesn't feel like you're connected to the real world anymore mm-hmm. so it makes it easier to be a creep uh, yeah. because you no longer fear the hammer being dropped and i just i hate to i hate to you know dump cold water on things just because there's a policy doesn't mean it's being enforced, and that means we don't know if it works. 
Yep. No, you're you're not pouring cold water on anything. There's a convention I'm thinking of right now, and anybody who might be listening knows exactly which one I'm thinking about. It's Just say it. Say it. Name names. I, 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 for my own safety, I cannot because this convention has had people be sued into silence. I would love to talk shit. Trust me, I would love to, but I'm going to do it just under the like a little bit of anonymity here. Um, just benefit of the doubt. But this convention fucking knows what it did. Um, it claims to have updated its policy so that you can, in fact, report if somebody on staff, et cetera does something and you know you, you want to report that you've been harassed or assaulted. I know for a fact there are people on that staff, on that con chair board, at whatever, the higher levels, the security, that are offenders and that are not gonna leave anytime soon because they're all frenzy wenzy up there. And that's part of why I'm so passionate about making it be a thing in policy where you can report those people to a third party particularly um, if it's possible, that that's the ideal situation, um, is that you can go somewhere and feel like if you say Joe Schmo, who's friends with the con chair, just raped you, you'll be taken seriously. Um, because they, like you said, you, we have no way of knowing whether these policies are actually going to be effective. But if we have them out there, people might be more inclined to try to get help, which I think is really important as well. I know that for me, um, when I was raped, and this is before I entered the convention community, it was by somebody who was a trusted coworker and friend, uh, somebody who I thought would trust me and would respect me and somebody who I thought I could trust. And when it happened, I almost couldn't believe that it was happening. I didn't realize that it was happening when it was happening because I hadn't seen that it was that, you know, I didn't know that your friend can rape you. You know, I, I felt very alone. I felt like there was nowhere I could go. There were no resources. Nobody would understand. And in this community, there's just been from especially the higher up, you know, influences, but even in lower states, there's, there's not been as much like, I, I would have to say, you know, policy as well as this culture of, hey, if this happened to you, it's not your fault. And here's where you can go to feel a little bit better. If that means reporting, that's awesome. If it means just, you know, if it means you're in a crisis and you go to Rain Helpline and you call them, um, that's that's great too. If it means that you find a local support group or an anonymous support group or anything that might help you feel a little less alone, that that's what I'm going for here. <laughs> um, you know, so policy, yes, may work, may not work, but if we have it. If we have at least the semblance of it, if people think that it does work, then people are more likely to use it when they're in their worst case scenario situations. And I do also want to say, I forgot to mention this somehow, crazily. Um, there are, you know, different levels of being taken seriously, even when you escalate it to the police. For example, if your con security is police um, and you go up to them and say, hey, that guy over there called me. Well, maybe they're going to see your outfit of your cosplay and judge you for that and say, well, yeah, but look at what you're wearing. You don't know that the police are going to actually be on your side for that or that they're going to have the time to take care of that or that they're going to take it seriously um, at higher levels if you need to, to escalate it there. You want to believe that the police will help you. You want to believe that convention security will help you because that's what they're there for, right? But there's no way of verifying 
that they can actually help you or that they're going to be on your side, particularly when it comes to matters um, that are sort of softer, like harassment and uh, stalking. Um, and I did have a friend, unfortunately, who experienced some stalking at a convention, went up to police who was security, and they did nothing because they uh, presumed that she was like a jealous ex or something, and that it was a personal situation. And because it's a convention, it's just drama. It doesn't really matter. So that, that really sucked for her. That really needs to be so. Well, I mean, cops aren't our friends to begin with. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But a lot of people might think they are, even though they're probably, you know, probably not. <laughs> cops are not our friends. They're not here to protect us. Unfortunately, we want them to be, but this is the reality of life. Yeah. Um, I'm going somewhere important with this, but that doesn't mean you don't push them and you don't make a point of reaching out. That's like the next next step is conventions reaching out and saying, we are citing the law in our policy. This is the state law. If someone is reports this, we are going to bring it to your attention because it is this legal problem. And we have talked to our lawyer who has, in you know, whom we've paid to interpret the law, and they are like, yes, this, <laughs> our policy needs to be compliant with state law. So if somebody is triggering a crisis and their worst case scenario, it's because a le something legal has been violated and the police need to act accordingly. And that's always good to have in place for sure. Um, if I may share something from my personal um, experiences real quick regarding that. Go for it. Of course, That's this is mostly you. We're here to <laughs> listen and interject. And no, um, to... no, it's actually quite serious. So uh, yeah, when I was raped, um, I chose not to report. Because the first thought that came into my mind as soon as it was over was, oh, my God, they're not going to believe me because this was my friend. Oh, my God, they're going to, you know, look at me and say that I was responsible for letting this happen. Oh, my God, they're going to take me to a hospital and they're going to violate me again to, you know, get evidence for this. And then the people who are at my workplace will think that I'm evil. They'll think I'm the devil because now that person is, you know. Um, you know, being arrested or whatever, or maybe they're not even being taken seriously at all. And now I'm just a joke. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of reasons why people don't report. And probably about 99% of them went through my head when I decided, yeah, I don't think I can do this. Um, and it's okay for anybody listening. It is okay if you choose not to report to police or otherwise. It's okay. You know, there are many reasons to, to keep your distance and a lot of them are self-preservation. A lot of them are, you know, getting yourself to a physically safe place as well as an emotionally safe place. And that's not always possible if you, you know, report it in a way that, you know, re-traumatizes you because that is an immediate trauma that happens. Um, so, you know, for as much as we can do legally, it's absolutely great when people can report and that they get justice. It's great when, you know, it's obviously breaking the law when somebody is breaking the law at a convention and gets convicted of it yay yes love it when it actually works but for me what i needed to hear was the word was the phrase i believe you i just needed somebody to say that and that's all i really want from conventions aside from policy aside from legal stuff i want to feel like if i went to them and said yeah you know this guy who's been a photographer at your convention for years 
yeah, he uh, forcibly kissed me and it, you know, it really ruined my experience. Now I'm afraid to go to this con, that con. I want to feel like if I said that, they wouldn't be like, well, yeah, but you're a cosplayer or yeah, but that's the con chair's friend or yeah, but any number of reasons why they wouldn't believe me. Um, you know, it's, it's really mm-hmm. important that even if you really need to emphasize, yes, of course, legal things. And that's why we have our page up um, on, and there, it's not comprehensive yet, but we want to eventually get all 50 states and even territories, maybe and even, even other countries' laws up there um, for anybody who needs to reference them quickly. We are not going to be going to court with everybody at a convention. Um, and most cases are not serious enough to take to court, for example, of, you know, harassment, catcalling. You know, I'm not going to take somebody to court over that more, most likely. It's just going to be upsetting. And yeah, I'd like to see, you know, that person get educated or have some sort of consequence in some way so that that doesn't happen to anybody again. But mostly, I want to feel like I would be believed. That is my big on, uh, you know, legally versus personally. There's a big difference between somebody coming up to you and, you know, saying, well, you know, I really need to get justice for this crime. And somebody saying, you know, I've been, you know, holding on to this for years and I just didn't want to say anything because you're friends with this guy or whatever the case is. But, you know, I was hurt in this way. And, you know, it just feels, it feels awful to hold on to that. It feels awful to hear that your friend was holding on to that. It's, it's not, it's not hard legally to say, I believe you and to trust what the person is telling you is true, even if there's no evidence, quote unquote, at the time, you know, their circumstances are their evidence. They're telling you what happened and how it made them feel. And the, the worst thing that you can do, I think, is to, you know, act in a way, like react when somebody tells you that they've been, you know, harassed, et cetera, um, that, well, that couldn't possibly have happened. They they wouldn't have done that. You know, that, that that wasn't that didn't happen, right? You're just joking around. Because, you know, that 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 just ruins your whole world. That just your entire perception of the person you to just comes crashing down. So personally versus legally, I would say it's more important to believe somebody or at least tell them that you believe them than to press charges. It's for and I get that. I had my own experiences, and it's really nice to be believed. But these fucks don't understand anything but sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so we need it's it's kind of a two pronged attack. We need the the crisis counselors to be there in the moment to say, "I believe you, and it will be okay." And we need to change our laws. Canada has a great, um, like it's a third option. You get your kit done, so the evidence is preserved, and then you you get a year to decide what you want to do. You get time to process your trauma before you have to decide. It's not a pressure moment, and that's a great thing, and I would love to see that come south of the border and infest America with some fucking common sense. Um, I mean, if they're going to, you know, please let them invade and, and bring us their health care and their their uh third option reporting uh so you can you know have the time to figure out what the fuck happened to you and nationwide you have pot. to make a decision oh yeah and and nationwide <laughs> pot but um regardless of 
legal uh, re- regardless of decriminalized and legalized marijuana and healthcare it would be nice to have that specific space in our own legal code it would be nice so that we can honor the need to process trauma and then say this person needs to go to jail that's we have all of these reports years decades later um i'm looking at you penn state specifically because football season's coming up and i'm never not going to let uh joe paterno slide on turning a blind eye to what his friend was doing (laughs) oh yeah fuck that shit (laughs) fuck that yeah no joe paterno is trash um you heard it right here uh don't hashtag that i really don't want to fight a bunch of penn state fans okay um but um if you are a penn state fan i'm really sorry uh you need to get over joe um he's trash um but you know we need ever they come forward later these are adult men um who are getting more belief mm-hmm. but not but they can't do anything mm-hmm. because the statute of limitation is up because our laws are so tightly defined that we don't have space to to process before we prosecute um so having the legal citations and the policy is the stick to threaten the criminals with or the potential criminals it's the look if you do these things here is the legal definition of what you are doing and the legal consequences if it is reported blah 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 this is what can happen to you You and then you take the stick and you beat them with it yeah you hit them with the stick and then on the other side when they do offend because predators are going to pred are, are going to be predators and fuck those guys they and women they need to fucking burn um there are people to help process the trauma so people know what is so that um survivors know what is going on and that they are going to be okay eventually maybe not right that minute but somebody is listening and somebody's going to be there. So it's kind of a, a hammer and anvil and then maybe we can pin the, maybe we can finally pull out these broken stairs and crush these rotten apples. Um yeah. That's just, you know, out a little bit out of the box um cuz I do get to come at it from I I I was had some horror I was um I had a traumatic experience in college uh with a boy. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. He didn't do anything particularly illegal to me um, at the crisis moment, but there is some some very gray, and now I look back on it, and everything was horrible a lot of the time, and I'm not going to go into all of the horrible details, um, but having me have to be in the room with him for his uh, disciplinary hearing, that's a rule that needs to be changed, um, or needed to be changed. Because I I had to sit across a table in a conference room from him while he stared at me. He tried to stare me down. Um, He got suspended. Thank God. But I mean, really. For my last for my last semester, he wasn't allowed to be on campus as long as I was physically as long as I was enrolled and physically there. He couldn't be. I mean, so my my little liberal arts college did write enough at the end, but it was still kind of nervous. Oh, um, it, you mind if I ask you where you went? I went to the College of Worcester. Okay, I went to Kenyon. It's another liberal arts college, kind of. Yeah, same same conference. Yeah, yeah. We played. We, we 
I was in the marching band, so I kind of remember everybody who was in the same yeah. conference with Worcester. Um, and your football team was worse than ours. <laughs> Not that we were brilliant, but I mean, when I was there. Canyon was not known for their. Uh, oh my their- god, no! And I have like I have a funny like this is the weirdest thing I have a funny like football anecdote. Um, apparently, Kenyon was in the same conference as the Ohio State University was in like eighteen something, eighteen ninety nine, I think. And they were so excited about getting to play them that they made a whole anthem about you know yeah go ahead. Stand up and cheer, Kenyon, because you're gonna fight OSU. And it was like it's like the cheesiest thing I've ever heard. It's so ridiculous. And it's like it's been archived and nobody wants to hear it because it's so weird. Yeah, well, there weren't a whole lot of com- there weren't a whole lot of conferences back when the land grant schools were formed. So they had to play somebody. <laughs> and they just they they wanted to say, Hey, we're we're gonna win this one, guys, and they won one. And that was it. Honestly, I'm not sure if Canyon football has won since. Sorry, guys, I have no idea. <laughs> um, they won occasionally, but they were they. Are, um, we could get into the politics of Mount Union uh, oh, deliberately suppressing their enrollment records so they could stay Division Three and Ooh. continue to dominate. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's 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 a whole episode about for some podcast somewhere that's not this one because i'm not entirely sure that uh shady uh recruiting and shady policies like that are specifically a feminist problem but Mm. it could get into some title nine stuff that would be that would be awesome um i would have to you know not have a day job and (laughs) (laughs) weeks of time to do nothing but research um the intersection of title nine and football and recruiting my God, yeah. sports recruiting, uh, but I'm sure there's a ton of shady bullshit um, there. I do know it's a there's a an oppression of minorities issue um, mm-hmm. because you know there are two sports in the United States that require you to go to college first for a set number of years before you can go play professionally, and it's football and it's basketball. Well, with football, it's not that you are required to go to college you're for a set number of years. No, you are like required. You have to have you have to have a set amount of years away from high school. Um, they want you to have burned. Yeah, that well, it's the same in basketball, but it's essentially go to college for three years um, to keep further develop your skills, or you're not going to get into you know if you don't go to college no one's going to see you and no one's going to sign you to the nfl so it's literally go to college for three years um and not get paid and make a division 1a school a giant pile of cash and not see a dime of that that revenue that you have generated and then go play for 32 white guys um to make another giant pile of money It's just an interesting, you know, if you follow at basketball, it's you have to go play basketball for your for a for at for a college to get the notice to get signed by the, um, a lot of times by the NBA. Um, you either have to go immediately out of high school because that's happened, but that happens less and le- that's very rare that you get uh, a LeBron James who can buck the, who can make it in the NBA as a as an eighteen year old. LeBron James, um, 
may or may not be listening right now. <laughs> I mean, if you are listening, sir, please just at me. <laughs> As a fellow kid from Akron, I appreciate everything you have done for our mutual hometown and everything you do for Ohio and everything you do with your platform. So just if you are really, truly listening, please let me know. Or, or let me know so I could just tease Noelle about it because she's saying that she's going to die if I you mean, do I listen. Lie. So I <laughs> um, then we'll expect you to help pay for a necromancer to raise her from the grave. <laughs> I mean, I'll die every time. I'll be like, ah! All right. Is there anything else that um, you want to ask, Noelle? I think... I mean, you can ask me things. Um, I think he, he, what he meant is, do I have any more questions for you? And I don't. But please, but if you yeah, want to... Yeah, if yeah. you have things to ask, uh, Trixie, go ahead. Uh, I just was asking about Noelle. She had anything in particular to ask. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, I was actually a little bit curious. Um, I did go to Ren Fairs when I was younger, but I, were, are there any things that are going on in Ren Fairs that maybe you know people might need to be aware of in terms of like harassment or you know an underground culture of abuse or whatever like what's what's going on with rent fairs in comparison to like conventions um a lot of the abuse is uh it seems to be staff or older cast members Mm. um uh, we can pull up the stories and send them to you because i don't remember them off the top of my head we will relink them because they're important to this discussion Mm -hmm. um but in one case, the entertainment director was holding people's livelihood people's livelihoods hostage until they fucked him. Wow. Wow. That's cute. Yeah. Yikes. And so it, it runs the range from extremely abusive behavior like that to, I'm not going to notice, you know, we're going to turn a blind eye to those people. They've been there forever or he's been the entertainment director forever, or, you know, he's friends with the owner. You know, the it's it's basically parallel shit to con shit, mm. but because we're an even tighter-knit community, and, you know, at a con, some creep harasses you, it's probably not going to impact your ability to eat. Mm-hmm. In the same way, um, an abusive entertainment director, or craft coordinator, or other individual in power um, who could cut you out of a lucrative show, Ooh. you know, who could remove your ability to be at a show that's your biggest moneymaker or your, quote, home show um, mm-hmm. just because you're not doing what they want. Um, it's it's really scary. Um, it's a, it seems the two most recent, or the, the two everybody is, are talking about, are uh, festivals owned by the same parent company. Mm. Uh, so there, there's who has stated there. You know, there's a you know we don't want to tolerate this, and we're horrified this culture has been going on. You had to fucking know you're the parent company. Don't mm. piss in my ear. Mm. Now that you know it's going to impact your bottom line because people are going to go. I don't want to support that company. They allow uh, teenage girls to be groomed by older men and then gr- you know groped and kissed against their will or otherwise you know. Abuse, you know, they're allowing the abuse of minors. They're allowing um, sex by coercion of uh, independent business owners. Um, you know, that shit. That's something that can really impact a uh, a business. So they, o- I, I really think, in some cases, they only care 
because of the culture shift. Like conventions are caring more because they know if if they don't have a clear policy, it's going to hurt their numbers because people aren't going to want to go. The more we, the more we push to change overall society, the less places these people are going to have to hide. Um, But from a Ren Faire perspective, um, there's also the drunk patrons. Ooh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I find because I, I, my convention experience is pretty limited in general, but I've noticed that at least on the um, convention floors, alcohol is basically a no. But that doesn't mean that room parties and things like that that there's not going to be alcohol there. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on the convention for in that regard. Um, and it's really hard to stop people from getting alcohol if they really want it. Um, even at oh, Ren Faire, um, I have been offered um, a ta- a nip of this or that, and I accept because I'm in my shop and I'm safe. I have three to four other human beings around me who are we're all watching each other's back. Also, I have at least one sharp one sharp on me. Um, I always have a work dagger on for cutting tags off things and trimming string and otherwise, you know, just part of my costume. Uh, but uh, when I first started, I was in my early 20s, and I had an experience where this ex- I was working a, a souvenir booth for my home show. Anybody who's listened to the podcast knows what show it is, because um, I've mentioned it. But um, this drunk guy came up and asked me questions about my bodice and my costume, and he was leering at me the whole time. My female coworker was also probably uncomfortable, but she didn't say anything because, you know, she's trying to deal with other customers. But all the women around us, including the women with the drunk, were getting increasingly uncomfortable until they managed to finish their business because that's what they were there for. They were there to buy shit. Um, and then they corralled their drunk ass, for, their drunk ass guy and pilot him, piloted him away. Um, one of the women waiting in line, essentially, looked me in the eye and said, I don't know how you did that. And I looked back and I said, I'm being paid to deal with shit. Or I'm being paid to be nice. Mm. Because the only thing that kept me from running away or being extremely uncomfortable and you know, behave and acting out was the fact that I had a counter between us. Um, I learned later that the booth across the street was basically security for that corner. Um, under, you know, sort of additional security. And that most of them had been watching and if there had been any indication that the creepiness had reached a level that it needed to be dealt with, there were some very big dudes that were just going to roll over and start looming until the guy got uncomfortable and left. But currently I work for a corset shop. Um, my husband has had some of his own vaguely harassy experiences. I would consider them straight up harassy experiences, but I mean, he's... Yeah. That sounds, you know, it, it sounds the same level of severity, so, you know. Yeah. Well, in, in his case, um, well, because we're seated when we're doing a fitting and we're lacing up a corset, because it's just easier to have yourself on the right level, that puts us at about tits level. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, he's had very drunk women, and the only reason he doesn't consider it harassment is because they're drunk and they don't really mean to get quite that close, mm. or they, or there is... They're not doing they're not intentionally putting their tits on his head, but that's what's happening is they're stepping in so close that, I mean, he does need to breathe. 
Yeah. And then there's there's just boobs everywhere. And he asks them to back up. And they always back they're like, oh sorry, and they back up. <laughs> but you know, they probably they they do giggle occasionally, but it's the 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 drunk or entitled people who on, you know, men in kilts, I've heard from various angles, um, that men in kilts get grabbed without their consent, um, for a quote unquote kilt check. And yeah. it's it's just grotesque that there is a context in which anybody thinks it is appropriate to grab someone's genitals without warning or permission. Definitely. Or I mean, the butt. It doesn't matter. You don't touch people without permission. This is kindergarten stuff. This is preschool level shit. Yeah, then we have the another thing that um, Noel and I have dealt with in the past or whatnot is... Um, I'm a for I'm a former LARPer. I'm only saying former LARPer because I used to LARP and I basically have no interest in going back. Um, mm-hmm. But you have the LARP conventions where a lot of actual LARP gaming is going through, and many of the convention issues that may be happening with the various other uh, gaming and comic and anime conventions that they deal with, and a lot of these LARP conventions also tend to be organizational-based more than open to the public, so to speak. So they also get a lot of tight-knit issues that are hard to go through and get pushed through. While they're trying to go through and make changes on organizational level, it's not going through and helping as much as it needs to help. Um, because that goes another problem. Yeah, it's one of the uh, another thing about the whole consent-based role play and things of that nature that people will go through and take not just the costuming but the situations too far and take them out of context, not just in character but out of character too. And it's one of those things where whenever it's like whenever you get a convention or any type of geekery involved. It's like just seems to shine a brighter spotlight in our in our in our fandoms because we're seeing it on a smaller scale, even though that these problems are worldwide larger scale problems as it is. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't know that you know it's the same that the whole costuming is not consent to be gross is a thing that I deal with. Um, Again, I'm intimidating when I'm in garb, but I've had to build a persona where I'm I radiate frosty bitch, don't speak to me. Yeah, because no. because at, otherwise they're gonna comment on my tits. Yeah, because at LARP conventions I've volunteered as security. And unfortunately what I was unfortunately it's like for the LARP conventions I've worked at as security, there's not really much that I was legally able to do mm. in those regards because I'm not like I, I I at the time I had certifications for like CPR and things like that if necessary. But um all I could do is be the big looming guy if necessary. Um and and most of the time when it came down to convention security it wasn't even taken seriously. It's like, oh, that's just so-and-so. They'll let us do what we need to do. And then I'm the bad guy for saying, no, you need to break this up. 
Um, so it's one of those things where the tighter fit the community, the probably probably the smaller the convention, some things can be the worst things that they can get. But there's broken stairs, there's cracks that get covered up. It's one of those things where it's a prevalent issue across the board. And as me and you briefly mentioned with the uh, your your list for the conventions. Um, Dragon Con's coming up this weekend, and you mentioned that you're getting ready to get that put into research and put onto your list. And for me, Dragon Con is like one of the major conventions of the year. It basically opens up with PAX East and San Diego Comic Con all the way to Dragon Con. Um, and uh, like for another for another example, while it may be a huge cosplay-related one. There is cosplay, but uh, there's another gaming convention that happens in January called Midwinter. Um, this last weekend, uh, Boston just had what used to be called Boston Comic-Con, but it's now Boston Fan Expo. Um, mm-hmm. it, you, could probably, you could probably do this as like a full-time job just by keeping this updated and going from that so you're doing you're doing you're doing work that is necessary to for people to understand what they might be getting into before going to any type of convention and things of that nature yeah a lot of work (laughs) yeah um and it's good work and it really needs to be done um i know just in columbus it feels like every other week there's some or in the in the just in ohio oh yeah it feels like there's a con like every other week every month there's some sort of convention and just to log everyone here um would you know be a a lot of work oh yeah and i mean like i said we're always looking to um you know add conventions that we don't have up there so if there's one that you are love you're dying to see what their rating is or you know whatever it is just let us know i mean go to our website cosplayers hyphen ssn.org and you know we have our our email up there we have a contact form you can let us know um you know what we're missing how we can help you um and then we'll pay more attention to the requests that we get and then just organically go through the rest so um again we will post all of your important links in the show notes and on the website if you want to include, if you want to write up a little blurb to include about your organization, so that they can click through, uh, that would be extra awesome. We want to boost what you're doing because it's, you know, you're doing God's work, <laughs> and one, your group deserves a ton of recognition for that, and two, I'm sure you would not turn down more hands willing to help. Oh my God, no, yeah, please help us. <laughs> yeah, I gladly do that. I can get you uh, a little write up. That would be fantastic. Yeah, if you get me that as soon as we can, we'll be able to go through and get this put up. I want to try to get up before DragonCon that hits this weekend, if possible. It's not um, this weekend, it's next. Uh, next weekend? All right. DragonCon yeah, wanna... and the opening weekend of ORF are always on top of each other. Gotcha. All right. Um, so, yeah, I want to thank you for being here on the show. Yeah. Um, yes, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of this. Of course. Thank you for having me. Seriously, it was great. All right. So uh, 
I know that this is going to go through. We're going to go through and wrap things up, but um, we try to go through and figure out some type of silly question of the week. Um, I don't know if Noel has one prepared. Um, oh God, why would I? Why would I be prepared? I've literally just got done working. <laughs> uh, so this is going to be this is going to be a yes or no question, and anybody that votes in it, I'd like to go through and have you explain your answer in the comments when I post this later. But is there any excuse for fruit to be put into things such as potato salad? coleslaw or macaroni salad yes oh or God. no and so i want oh no no there there is no acceptable time <laughs> for there to be fruit in your fucking potato salad <laughs> so that will be the question is there an acceptable time for fruit to be put into your potato salad or coleslaw uh <laughs> why would you put it in coleslaw that sounds terrible um, there will, I will say that I know on a personal level, uh, names will not be named, um, of someone recently put it in their own coleslaw, but however, they put it in their own coleslaw for them. Um, they were, it wasn't like they were bringing it to a barbecue. Uh, so I'm going to put coleslaw in with list. So say, this is why black people don't trust us. <laughs> uh, so that silliness aside, uh, visit our website at xchromosomepodcast.com. We have all of our links again to the social media donations to the uh, website. Um, one thing I want to bring up though, just as an important note of due to current events, as much as we ask about donations for us, um, I just want to go through and, bring up a quick thing um planned parenthood has basically been um forced out of funding due to gag orders that are going through um if you have a few bucks go through and don't send a donation to planned parenthood um they're going to need your support even more until we get the various gag orders and rules overturned and things of that nature because um this is a large funding source that they use to help lower income people and minorities to get the care they need. It's not for things such as cancer screenings, birth control, things of that nature. Um, so until that gets fixed, or even after that gets fixed, if you can throw a few bucks over to Planned Parenthood, um, I just wanted to bring that up briefly since this is one of our isn't one of our rant episodes. Um, yeah, so also, things like Racy's, things like the Trevor Project, um, you know, all the good shit that helps the world go that's not being funded um, because it's funded, and uh, clearly the government isn't going to do it for us. Also, since the five hundred one three C for them, give them money, um, help them help victims. Thank you. So that being said, my name is Bill. I'm Noelle, and our guest has been uh, Miss Trixie, and we are thrilled that she was willing to speak with us. And now we're going to kick the bottom. And we're going to be awkward. Um, also, we all have an X chromosome, and Craig, get out. Here we
Okay, Craig, get out. Goodbye, bot. Get away. Goodbye. Bye.